Hey, it's Richard Pyatt. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You know, I've spent about 17 years on the radio interviewing newsmakers, business owners, and industry leaders. Now, my company is helping folks like you gain purposeful exposure for their businesses or organizations. Let me help you share your story. Click the Live Mic Communications link in the show notes for more information. Welcome back to the Richard Pyatt Show, or welcome in if this is the first time you're checking us out, and thanks for doing so. You know, here in Southwest Michigan, where we originate, we have a gem in the community called the Barn Theater, and actually it's the Barn Theater School, and we'll do another episode on what that's all about uh, before long, so be watching for that one. What's great about the Barn Theater is it is a gem in this community. It's been run for years and years by the same family. This is the 76th season in summer 2022. One of the great things for those of us here in Southwest Michigan who uh, enjoy the barn are the great actors who come and go from here. Uh, Not only the ones uh, whom we'll know in future years who are cutting their teeth here at the barn, but actors whom we know from television, movies, etc., who've come through here either cutting their own teeth or they do it because they love it. And one of those folks is actor Robert Newman, probably best known as Josh Lewis on the daytime drama Guiding Light, which is a role he portrayed for more than 20 years. Uh, He comes back in this 2022 season at the barn, having just completed six months back on daytime TV on The Young and the Restless as Ashlyn Locke. We took a few minutes to talk with him about that role. Would he go back to it? What's it like cranking out all of those episodes one after another? And what does Robert really want to do in his acting career next? Well, here we are with Robert Newman. We have chatted with Robert on a couple of occasions before, and it's always fun to talk with you. Hi there. How are you? It's good to see you again. Nice to see you. Welcome back to Kalamazoo. You know, I, I was going to send you a little note. After you started on The Young and the Restless, leave the guy alone. Leave him alone. And then you put up your video after it was done saying you were coming here. All right. Yeah, I did the show, as you know, for about six months. That was our original concept. We had another six-month cycle in place. That was about like whether or not their timeline would get messed up. But the idea was always that they were thinking about killing off this character in the uh, after about five months or so and you know being out there in LA uh, away from my family I live in Stamford Connecticut it was a long time to be away when I come here to the barn the longest I've ever been here at the barn was last year when I stayed for pretty much the whole season and that was about 11 weeks I think but six months uh, in LA just wore me out and um, so when they came to me and said we're going to stick with the original plan and kill off the character. I was like, thank you. (laughs) That works entirely for me. I'm done with Los Angeles. I'm, you know, I did that kind of work for, uh, for 28 years. And so there was also kind of that sense that was creeping up on me like, wow, I've already done this. Why am I here doing it again? Mm -hmm. And as much as I like the character and like the people I was working with, it just reminded me that there's a, uh, there's a real, making the sausage feel to doing soap opera work. You are just churning out those scenes at lightning speed. And um, it wears you out. Sure. Yeah. It, you actually anticipated what I was going to ask you. You know, how did it feel being back in that 
in that position again. But if you are comparing this to, say, a weekly show, boy, this is a lot faster paced, right? And then a lot more lines to memorize and scenes to do. This is this is more intense, isn't it? Are you talking about a nighttime show? Yes, but compared to the daytime. Well, I think of it this way. When I did, um, I did a few scenes in Homeland, right? And one of them was three pages uh, with two characters walking and talking on a sidewalk. We were on location in Charleston, I think, or something like that. And um, they called me to the set. It was an evening scene. So they called me to the set at 6 p.m. And those three pages we wrapped at 2 a.m. That's the difference. On Guiding Light or Young and the Restless, they shoot 60 pages every single day. So in that same eight-hour span, we would shoot almost an entire episode of material. So it's three pages in eight hours versus probably 50 of 60 pages in eight hours, you know. And nighttime, in many ways, just moves too slow for me. (laughs) Every time I'm doing a guest spot... I, I'm bored out of my head. I shouldn't say that in public because I want my agents to put me on those things. But with that kind of work, too, you're only really using one, maybe two cameras at the most. So there's this constantly repositioning of cameras and repositioning. So you're doing the same scene like 50 times. Daytime is much closer. In some ways, it's actually not far from what we do here at the barn. It's it's a, a pretty quick rehearsal, obviously. And then you're just you're shooting, you know, before you know it. Tape's rolling and and you're going. And you know you've got to stay at a certain pace in the way you're shooting your scenes. I'm talking about in completing the scenes in a good amount of time. Because if you're first up, which I frequently was for that taping day, you're setting the pace for the whole day. It's kind of like when you're you're the first one to tee off on a busy golf course. You want to shoot for that four hours or less. If you start with a five-hour round, the whole day is lost for everybody else involved. So, yeah, there's a lot that goes on in shooting daytime that's a real pressure cooker. Well, you shoot, it's done, and it's about a month or five weeks or so before we see it. How long does it take it to be ready for air? Are they under the same pressure to edit it and produce it? Everybody on soaps is under pressure. They just are. You know, you think about the amount of material that those writers are generating. Nighttime shows are changing now, and then most of them are only 10 episodes or 12 episodes. It's only really the main networks that are still going to 23, which was the general... Like, if you've gone back and watched something like West Wing, that would be 22 or 23 episodes per year for seven years. Now it's like you get 12 episodes, maybe, which I think is great in terms of telling a story. You can tell a lot of story in 12 episodes. Daytime is 250 episodes a year compared to 12 episodes a year. (laughs) That's a monumental difference. And even when I was leaving Guiding Light, I was like, it's absolutely crazy that we do this kind of work at this speed. And so for the writers, the directors, the producers, for everybody, and then later the editors, even after it's shot, it's just not enough time to accomplish all this stuff. And yet somehow uh, people magically do it. Yeah. You know, the show looks great. The lighting is beautiful. The sound is fantastic. The editing is great. The music is nice. You know, the music gets put in later. I was shooting a scene where they had me just, uh, just by myself in prison for just one shot. The director said, so what do you want to do here? And I said, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> You're doing it with your camera in music. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and be angry at the world. Yeah. 
and you do whatever you do. And that's how we shot that scene. <laughs> I seem to remember that look on your face. Yes. Yeah. So you said, uh, I've done this already. I'm ready to, to move on. What do you want to do now? I already do what I love to do. I like being on that stage. I'm pointing directly to the barn theater right now, but I, I mean that in a bigger sense. I love being on stage. That's where I love to be. Why do you love it? Because it's all happening right now, in the moment. You know, things go, when things go right and things go wrong, they're all happening right there. And there's something about having that audience there and present and participating which is, I think, a big thing that sometimes people don't understand. We are aware that the audience becomes, it's a give and take with, with the audience. And uh, particularly when you're doing comedy, and there's a lot of comedy in Rock of Ages, but there's an unspoken contract between us, an agreement that we're going to say a certain line in a certain way and you're going to laugh or we're going to sing this lyric in a certain way and you're going to cry and uh, at some point you're going to be up on your feet really excited and, and joining in and you know it's it's all happening and then it's different every night that's what keeps us sane from doing the same material over and over and over again the longest I've run a show I think is about nine months in New York I ran a musical called Sessions and that was eight performances a week. And you think, well, how do you do those eight performances? But the audience is different every night. And therefore, the performance itself is different every night. Yeah, I, I understand that. Uh, people used to say to me, oh, well, you don't have any trouble with public speaking. You're on the radio. But uh, when I'm on the radio, I'm sitting in a room with one other person or by myself. And I don't, yeah. I don't see folks. You don't hear their reactions. And that means something. Yeah, they're, they're just entirely different animals. And uh, and this came home to me quite a bit with Young and the Restless. There, the audience response is happening only, like, online. You know, you're reading comments. of You know, I, I tried to stay away from as much as I could, but no matter what, it sort of permeates into your Facebook page or your Twitter account or whatever, and you're seeing people who are saying negative things and positive things. But again, I'm not sure how much they realize that everything they're talking about happened five weeks ago for me. It's not even on my radar anymore. <laughs> they're like, oh, I can't believe you did this in this scene. And you're like, yeah, that happened a long time ago, and we're way be And boy, you hated that. You're really going to hate the next thing that's coming up. I feel like for the most part, fans were very kind to me um, some were understandably upset yeah. that I re that I replaced Richard, and uh, and I understood that. I've never replaced a character on, on something like that, but I've known enough people who have that I know it can be a very difficult transition. And I also didn't watch any of the previous actors' work at all. Uh, I read some of the scripts that led up to my first script, but I said to the producers, I, I, I feel like I have to really make this guy into my own image and not sort of be thinking about or copying what somebody else has already done which by the way is something i do on stage too yeah. you know every role i play on stage almost every single role has been played by somebody else <laughs> so well to... yeah you you uh if you watch somebody else's work you might be inclined to mimic that or not uh, who knows right absolutely so when i played edna here in hairspray I love Harvey Firestone. I know Harvey. And we've, we've chatted from time to time. But I have to erase him from my mind because my, my instrument, my body, my voice, my mind, it's entirely different than Harvey's. So I can't do what he does anyway. So I have to do what I do. And that's the same for Len Carew and Sweeney Todd. This show I don't really know as well. I've never seen it on stage. So it's doesn't matter to me as much. I saw the film. 
Alec Baldwin played the character I'm playing now. They're giving me a real free reign to do whatever I want. And on YNR, they really gave me a free reign. And I think I took, with their blessing, I, I took this character into places that they, even they weren't anticipating. Good guy, bad guy, doesn't matter. I'm looking for what matters to this man. What does he care about? What drives him? And, and in this case, what's, what's evolving in him? I did not want Ashlyn Locke to be some kind of a caricature or a, just a standard bad guy. I wanted him to have multiple levels, and they really gave me a free reign to sort of explore all of that. They probably, I don't know, I'm just presuming, but they probably have some reservation with some actors at least about giving too much latitude, right? Because they have a notion for what this character is supposed to be, but then they have to somehow let go of the reins, right? And and they apparently did that with you. Yeah, to their credit. They, I think they did, and, and it was certainly helpful for me. I have to ask, because people probably want to know, you know, characters come back from the dead all the time. You get the call, Ashlyn's back, you got the first shot. What do you think, Robert? There's no getting around the fact that that show shoots in Los Angeles. Yes. I was born and raised there. I spent my first 22 years of life there, and I, and I have no interest in living in Los Angeles. None. I'll tell this story. Uh, I spent some time on the soap opera Santa Barbara, six weeks. And I was there for that period of time. This was in 1985 or six, And uh, they had a character that was normally played by Joseph Bottoms. Sam's brother and Timothy's brother. And he would come in as this bad guy and he would spend six or eight weeks wreaking havoc. And then he would, I'm doing air quotes here, he would die. And then nine months or a year later, he would show up again and wreak havoc for another 10 weeks and then die. And then, and at one point they had him scheduled to come on and he got some film that he had to go shoot. And so they asked me to come in and I played that character for six weeks or eight weeks or however long it was. I think I ended up in prison in that one. Yeah. I didn't die, but I ended up in prison, you know, and I've always thought back to that and thought, that sounds good to me. You know, I'm not committing to uh, a year. I'm not committing to the next 50 weeks. I'm going to be memorizing, you know, up to 80 or a hundred pages of dialogue every week. It's like, yes, eight weeks, maybe 10 weeks. But you are 100% right. Characters on soaps come back from the dead all the time. We're glad you're back here. It was really cool to watch your video and have you say, I'm going to Kalamazoo. And we're not surprised to see you, of course, because uh, you are here so often, and uh, we're glad for that. So thank you. Just to clarify, some people in that video thought I was saying that I live in Kalamazoo. I do not live in Kalamazoo. I live in Stamford, Connecticut, but I'm here doing this fantastic show with this great cast and these terrific people. I just love being here. I know some good real estate agents if you want to live here. All right. Thank you, Robert. Thank you so much. (laughs) 